Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gill, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome to the Sneaker <laughs> History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingball. Tonight I've got my guy, Mike Guillory, with me to talk some kicks. But we're going to do something a little bit different than the usual kind of talk about releases and what we like and what we don't. And we're going to actually get into some of the business stuff that's going on. Because there's over the last month or two, there's been a ton of just a ton of industry news that I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, important to know if you're if you're interested enough in sneakers to listen to this podcast. So, Mike, what's good, man? How you doing? How's the running going? Yeah, man, it's going good, going good. Really trying to do some research on what shoes to to try next. Uh, I think I'm going to first try that Nike next next was it the Nike Tempo percent whatever it's called i don't know what they're even called anymore there's just so many different names on that shoe it's uh one of the it has like the zoom pods in a four foot the carbon plate and of course it has the uh if, if i'm not mistaken see the zoom x or react foam but it's a really technical shoe and it's actually on sale on nike's website for a particular color it's like 170 so figured i'd try that as one of the the next ones on the list and see if it how it works i really do like the zoom fly and it's really hard to break away from that one so hopefully this was just a kind of an upgraded model but other than that it's going good man I went to Dick's Sporting Goods to like for the first time in ages today, just to kind of see what was sitting in the, in the <laughs> store. Uh, is that the? I think it's like two seventy five retail for that shoe. See, this is a bit of the takedown, so it's not the Alpha Fly next percent. It's like the Tempo gotcha. next percent. So this one I think is a two hundred two hundred ten dollar um, base price. So. I mean, if I can find the other one that's three hundred bucks for a uh, <laughs> for one hundred seventy bucks, heck yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy the price of them. I mean, I've seen nothing but good reviews on all those, and and everybody that I've talked to that that has run in them is like, this is a game changer. So hopefully, hopefully it works out the same yeah. for you. How often do you think you'll be switching up shoes? Honestly, probably not a ton. Um, I think I want to probably get maybe at most three pairs tops to kind of interchange and see which one works the best. Um, so I kind of have, I have two in mind right now is of course that Nike we just talked about, but then also I'm looking at the, uh, the, the Hoka, uh, I think it's the carbon X is what I'm looking at as well. And I want to probably look into one more. Um, there's an ASIC one. I can't remember the name. I think I sent you, I sent you one of the uh, versions of it, but there's a, yeah, yeah. a bit of a, more premium model with the carbon plate in it so i think i might take a look at that one as well so those are probably the three i want to kind of cycle through to see which one works best just because they have the feature i like because once you run with that plate you can't i i for me i feel like i can't go back to just anything just a pure foam i need that 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 the rocking motion uh when i run it helps a lot yeah that's what i've heard i, I i'm not a i'm not in a place to spend that kind of money on a new pair of shoes right now but i definitely need to get something to start running in so yeah. I guess that kind of that kind of leads us uh, that starts us off with the rocking and copping because we're both kind of looking at, at, at running shoes. But, um, you know, I uh, as far as rocking this this last few days, I kind of went back to the uh, Adidas neighborhood ZX 8000. Like it's just kind of a, a like such a good shoe, just all black with a kind of woven upper. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um and then I also broke out the, I posted in the discord, but I broke out the, uh, I guess it's the, the undercover SFB boot that Nike did the black one. That's like all, all crazy straps, mm -hmm. um, from 
couple years back. But <laughs> definitely on the lookout for a lot of running shoes for as far as copping though. What 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 are you what are you actually running in the last few yeah. days? Yeah, man. So um, so this this old thing it's the uh, it's the original Zoomfly SP. This was the Nike Lab editions they came out with with like those uh, the translucent mesh uppers. But uh, you guys can see from like all of the like the uh, like the creases in it. I mean, they got a lot of run in them. I mean, they still are perfectly fine. I think for for the training purposes now, but I don't think they'll last until January. But uh, yeah, I mean. That's what I've been running in now. I mean, they've been fantastic. And, I mean, if they were still – if Nike outlets were still holding them around, I would go grab a bunch of those and I'd be happy with that. I wouldn't need to change shoes, but they don't make them anymore. So, at least not that model. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to try to get to, to a Nike outlet just to kind of see. I mean, I went to the outlets a week or so ago and, you know, kind of just was surprised at all the stuff that I saw sitting. But also, like – didn't really see a whole lot of stuff at the Nike outlet um, other than, you know, surprisingly yeah. Jordans. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of interesting because like that kind of leads into some, one of the conversations I think we'll get into tonight about just the supply chain and how I think we're headed towards like some some real struggle <laughs> uh, in terms of like what we can actually find in stores and on online because of all the, mm -hmm. the backups that are going on. But just before we get into that, wait, wait, hold up. I'm using my Zach Morris powers here to call a timeout and tell you about a couple of our partners. These are some of the folks that help us keep the podcast going, and they have some exclusive discounts just for our listeners. Now, if you're already subscribed to our YouTube channel, you know how I love to display my kicks when I'm not rocking them. Sneaker Throne makes sneaker display cases featuring customizable LED lights and drop side cases to showcase the entire side of your shoe, not just the heel or the toe. To me, it's the perfect way to display your collection. You can save 10% on your Sneaker Throne order by using the code HISTORY at SneakerThrone.com. That's HISTORY at SneakerThrone.com. Now, if you're a Patreon supporter or a member of our Discord community, you already know about Kicks with V Hot Sauce and his small batch locally sourced hot sauce. V has been one of the biggest supporters of a sneaker history community and the podcast since the early days. His hot sauce has been a huge hit within the community. To celebrate the launch of his new Coffee Habanero flavor hot sauce and my personal favorite, his new Habanero Honey, He's given an exclusive discount to our podcast listeners. You can save 10% by using the code sneakerhistory10 at kickswithvhots.com. That's sneakerhistory10 at kickswithvhots.com. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast or becoming a partner with our community, get in touch with us. You can reach us by email at podcast at sneakerhistory.com. Or better yet, tell some of your favorite brands they should be sponsoring the podcast. All right, let's get back into today's episode. I want to kind of reiterate and, and let you share that, you know, your, your half marathon training and how you're kind of going through that so we can get some more people paying attention and hopefully joining into the discord to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is something that, uh, say one of my buddies talked me into, but it really is something I always thought about wanting to do. Um, but trying to, you know, train myself for a half marathon and I have to say, you know, everyone I've reached out to who have been, been runners, um, you know, Jeff, you know, friend of the friend of the podcast who was on our sneaker compos. We we talked about, you know, testing shoes. Uh Drew from Wear Testers. Um, those two have been a been a huge help. Uh and just helping me to kind of just schedule myself with this and try to get the right right uh things in place. But the goal is just really challenge myself and I mean if anybody wants to jump into it as well, I mean I'm I'm trying to post videos every day I do train. So you guys can see the the struggle. So it's not something I'm just jumping up and can say, oh, I can run this. I, I am definitely just a normal human trying to do it. And I think that uh, whether you run a half marathon, a 5K, whatever, I, I think it's just good to challenge yourself. And so, I mean, jump in. I know we're working on some stuff to, to get people more uh, involved through the Sneaker History Discord and through our, our social network. So I think it's cool. Just Just something different. We always talk about, you know, you know, shoes and this, but let's, it's nice that we can take the shoes and make better ourselves for, cause it's not only a physical experience, I think it's a very mental and very spiritual experience as well, because you're putting yourself through the ringer, um, with, with this kind of endeavor. So, uh, the more and merrier. So just anybody wants to, to hop on, you guys know how to reach us and yeah, just show us what you got. Show us your runs, no matter how short, how long, how much time or how fast does, does it matter? Just, just get out there and do it. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, and I'm, I'm following your lead on that. I want to, I want to get back to it. And I, this is just a good, you know, a good, you know, kicking the ass to get going and I actually talked to Matt McDonald on the phone <laughs> this morning and he's about to do the same thing. So, I mean, I think it's great. Uh, nice. We will have like a, an actual contest here starting uh, by the time you hear this, probably, you know, we, maybe let's see, we're, we're a few days away. So yeah, like I would say within the next week or so of, of you hearing this, we're going to actually start a contest in the discord. So um, there's a fitness and run club channel in there specifically where we're going to be doing some stuff, doing some giveaways and, and just really kind of supporting each other and challenging each other to, you know, get in shape and take a little bit better care of ourselves because super important. Obviously, you know, we, we kind of gloss over that in the world of sneakers a lot of times, but you know, these, these are uh, really tools for, for making, making us better human beings if we can. So hop in the discord and we'll actually, you know, share those details there. Obviously we'll talk about on the podcast, but we'll definitely be kind of starting it within the next couple of episodes. So you might miss out if you're not actually in the discord. All right. So the other thing that I guess like the, the thing that I wanted to talk about a couple of weeks back, but I think I didn't really know what to think about it. There was a lot of, a lot of like, oftentimes what happens in sneakers is like, there's a lot of people that it affects and that people that think about it and want to be better or want things to be better that, you know, maybe are vocal on Twitter or Instagram or wherever. And then there's like the rest of everybody that's just like, keep it moving. Doesn't matter. Let's just get the next pair of shoes. And I just find it interesting. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I wanted to ask you about it and kind of just put it out there to our listeners because it came out. I want to say, uh, you know, probably two weeks ago now that uh, the president of Jordan brand, Larry Miller, basically for the last 50 or so years has, uh, has been kind of keeping this personal secret that he actually killed somebody when he was a teenager running with street gangs and, you know, like reading through the sports illustrated story obviously was such a crazy, you know, I mean, I can't knock anybody for doing things, even specifically things like that when they're young, because everybody's looking for, you know, ways to find themselves. And sometimes that means, yeah. you know, finding love from people that don't necessarily love in the same way that, that we need it. But, you know, when you come from yeah. a broken family or a broken home or, or, or a rough situation, you know, any amount of guidance is, is guidance nonetheless. So, um, essentially like, I guess like he was 16, I, I believe 16 at the time and, you know, grew up. I want to say in Baltimore, I, I can't remember now. I don't, I'm not looking at it, but um, yeah. it was really kind of one of those things where a part of me was like, you know, happy for him to have grown from that and become such an incredible business person, but also like, wow, that's really fucked up. And like, should you be doing time? kind of, you know, and this is like the polarizing aspect of the whole story, which I can understand for him personally, like I can understand him wanting to get that off his chest and say like, Hey, this is, you know, this is me back then. You know, it wasn't like he, he did it and was no, there was no repercussions, right? Like, you know, law enforcement knew he did it. I think I can't remember the details of how he kind of just like, you know, for lack of a better term, just kind of got away with it in a lot of ways. Right. It was kind of written off as like kids and gangs yeah. and this happens kind of thing. But I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously it's, I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's great to to hear him get it off his chest because carrying that as a human being has to be incredibly difficult growing up in a situation where that is what your life is at 15, 16 years old is obviously crazy to begin with. And yet I'm also kind of like looking at it and hearing it and like, almost like feel like, you know, you had to, you, you had to write this in a book and in, you know, 
this is now a, a sales pitch for your book. Like I get that that's how we view everything, right? It's like, if there's not drama, then, then, you know, we're not going to watch, we're not going to tune in, but I don't know, man. I just, I, yeah. I really haven't landed on how I feel about it. And that's why I kind of wanted to just bring it up and see what you thought, throw it out to the listeners and see what they think about the whole thing, because it's just absolutely crazy. I mean, this is the guy who's basically headed up Jordan brand for, you know, the better part of the last, you know, mm. decade or plus. Right. So, um, and been a huge part of, of making sneakers what it is in, in, in modern day. So what do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I guess I really still, one of those things you like kind of process like, man, like it's been this long and, and again, like you say, you didn't get away with it necessarily. It's just that I guess the punishment wasn't really, I don't know, substantial. I don't know if that's what we're looking for. Um, in all honesty, I kind of really wonder what happens when, you know, all this starts circulating. I mean, again, I don't like that it's coming out really to publicize like memoirs or things like that. But I mean, he has the right to tell a story, of course. But I wonder what happens when the family of this particular individual, if there are still family around, you know, are they going to come back? And, um, you know, I don't know. Can they even like retry him or thing? I don't know what that looks like. And I just um, – but it sounds like just from my knowledge, I mean, back then, I feel like when you when you got hired onto a job, it probably wasn't that deep of like background checks at that point or not looking like that far. I mean, and if the way he was punished for it, it wasn't seen as like a, you know, he didn't go to like, I don't know, did he go to jail for murder or manslaughter, whatever it may be. It It's not like today, like if that happened today, someone wants to go get a job at Jordan Brand, you wouldn't get past the application process because that that background check would just would stop you it just shows just kind of the difference in times and um again i i can never i don't know the whole situation of how it occurred and so on and so forth but i guess it isn't on, on the bright side if you can say a bright side he did get himself out of that life and become something successful so i mean it does show that hey this guy kind of did the worst thing you can do if you you get out of that rough like life or that neighborhood or that group you haven't done something that bad you still have a chance to kind of restructure yourself but i haven't really dug deep into his story i mean it's something i want to look more into because i'm now i mean this has been kind of a topic of conversation i'm, I'm more intrigued but i mean if i'm trying to pull a positive out of it that's what it is it's like hey you don't have to go out there gang banging or doing this or that if you haven't gone to the extreme, if you haven't taken a life, you know, hopefully you haven't, um, you know, there's a chance for you to hopefully come back and turn your life around and do something positive. I mean, I don't know if I mean, Michael Jordan knew about it. I, mean, I can't say he did. I can't say he didn't. And he probably would never say he actually did know about it if he did. So I don't know. It's just a very interesting story. I, I think I would like to see more how it unfolds as more of this, you know, the book's going to come out. I'm sure there's more things surrounding it. I'm sure there's more other, other things as well. So I would like to see exactly what that looks like because in my mind, if someone's going to really get this off their chest about things they did, uh, I mean, what is it going to tell us about things that, you know, dirty secrets about the the brand or the company? Like there's going to be a lot of things because he just sounds like he just wants to be free after his retirement. He wants to just call it a day. Here's everything I know about me and everything else. So this could have positive or negative repercussions. I mean, no one's going to stop buying Jordans, but it could have a moment of like, whoa, you know, whatever that may be, whatever's in that book. Yeah. And I, I think that's the interesting thing is like, I, I'm sure that most people are probably having the same kind of reaction, right? Like it's everybody's just kind of, it's almost like shock more than anything. And you know, just looking, he has been president since basically 2012. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I want to say that he, uh, I want to say that, you know, the, the story basically says that he spent, you know, essentially from like 13 to age 30 in and out of, you know, jail, prison, juvenile hall, all those places, mm -hmm. and really just didn't get it all together until after that. So, I don't know, like, you know, the details and, and, you know, I'm sure if you wanted to find out the specifics, you could check out the book. If it's available, we'll put a link in the description. 
but I, I just think that it's a really, yeah. it's a really like beautiful story, but it's also a really disturbing story at the same time. You know, it's like, I, I guess we live in an era where we know so much about so many people and to have some, mm-hmm. someone who was such a guiding light of, of this passion that we all share that is sneakers come out and say this, you know, it's like, it's a real kind of like, damn, like makes you kind of wonder if you should reprioritize what you're doing with your life. If, if, you know, if this is the, I don't know, like I I also understand not wanting to like go down that path and relive that he doesn't want to talk about it all the time. So every time, if he would have brought it up 10 or 20 years ago, it would have been brought up in every interview for the rest of his life. So um, according to the Sports Illustrated yeah. article, which I'll link in the description, he uh, hadn't told anybody at Nike, hadn't told Phil Knight, you know, up until essentially like whenever this last year or so when the book is being written and put out or whatnot. So uh, just a kind of a, a, a mind fuck of a story more than anything. And um, I don't know, I guess I'd pass that question off to everybody that's listening. Like, what what do you think about this? It's, it's, I'm kind of speechless and that doesn't happen very often. Cause y'all know I can talk for days yeah. about sneakers and sneaker related <laughs> stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's just interesting. So the, the other thing that, uh, I think related, we'll just stick with the Nike stuff. And I thought this was really kind of beautifully done. Um, and as Cantor of the Celtics hops on Twitter and social media or whatnot, uh, I, this is like two or three days ago, I think now from when we're recording this, but basically is yeah. calling out Nike, not just calling out Nike, but put together a whole three minute kind of video. Essentially. I think that what he's saying is very much truthful, right? Like it's very much like, Hey, you know, this, you know, uh, like Nike is a brand that stands for so many people and uses the narrative of standing for people as such a marketing tool that like, you know, he's, he essentially is calling out, you know, Nike's stance with China and the, the Uyghur population yeah. um, as like modern day slavery. And I think that it's, it's brave to, to stand up to that, right? Like we're seeing it all the time with, with China and the way that brands, you know, navigate that relationship, the way that other countries navigate that relationship. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going on with Taiwan and Hong Kong right now in regards to China and the way they are, you know, treating other, other people. And I think that, you know, it's, you know, the thing about this, this stuff from Inez Cantor is that he offers to go and, and talk about it. He offered, he says like, Hey, Michael Jordan, you know, whoever else at Nike, let's go find out about this and, and like really understand it and do something about it as opposed to just being like, you know, calling Nike out because that's one of the hardest things is like, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this on a podcast, you, you know, two years ago or whatever, when, when the Houston Rockets stuff happened, right. Where, you know, the GM of the Rockets said something about China and and Hong Kong and everybody kind of was like all over the place. It was like, you know, is the NBA going to be in China anymore? And, you know, is LeBron going to talk about China yeah. anymore? Or athletes going to travel there and promote? <laughs> um, and yeah, like all that stuff is super sensitive subject, right? Because the business side of the, these, you know, people and brands, they don't ever want to lose the money that comes with however many billion people live in China now. And, you know, when that's a part of your existing bottom line, you, know, you probably can't, you can't explain to investors yeah. that are really just looking to make money that you have to now be, you know, a conscious brand too, even though, you know, to, to the point of what Inez says is, you know, Nike is conscious, right? Like that's what they, that's the, their position on everything in the United States. But for some reason, you know, with the labor stance, mm-hmm towards the, you know, in China, uh, they're obviously not kind of standing up for, for, you know, the marginalized people in this, in this conversation. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, I think that's something that 
Hopefully it will change. I mean, in, in the sense of brands, you know, standing up for it because I think it's easier for them to deal with the, you know, you can say whatever you want here. I mean, it's, this is, that's, that's the beauty of where we are. We can say whatever we want in our country, but not only can you not say whatever you want in, in, in China, but they also rely on them for a very um, pocket-friendly uh, manufacturing. So if they were to say things that they wanted to say or what you would hope they would say, like like Ennis Cantor is, is speaking of, um, I think there's just a big fear that they would lose out on the, the profits that they're so used to, which I, on, on, of course, the business person side, like, oh, no, I can't do this. But as the human being that you should be, you should be you should be taking stock in what's going on. Like, hey, are you, where do you how are like how are the workers treated? How is this and that and the other treated? Where I have my name on these products. So, I mean, you would hope that Phil Knight uh, and you know everyone uh, with John Donahoe, all those guys, you would hope that they would go in and just say, okay, let's sit down and let's discuss what's happening here because, I mean. The, the biggest fear is that oh no okay we can't we can't manufacture these things in China we have to do them here where it's going to cost more. What are they? Nike shouldn't be scared of that because it's proven now that people will pay absorbent amount of monies for a pair of shoes to the resale market. So now, I mean, you want now Jordan? I mean, although we hate things being expensive, I mean, I'm, I'm not again, I'm not a business person. This is just me just kind of spitballing, you know, a cause and effect, what would happen if they spoke up against China. They would have to manufacture here. Shoes would be from 190 to probably $250. Um, but we've seen that people will buy the crappiest pair of dunks that are made of trash can plastic for four or $500. So, I mean, New Balance makes some of their shoes here to 250 and people, you know, they're great quality. People buy them. Again, different company, different scale of what they're producing things probably. But, I mean, if you want to do what's right, I guess you're going to – we're going to have to pay for it. I mean, of course. I mean, I think pretty much when when Daryl Morey did that with the Rockets, I'm pretty sure they erased the Rockets from every source of everything out there. I don't think they were a part of they, – they wouldn't show the games. They've got to erase them from all like social media that they had out there in China because they have full control of it. So that's the fear that you're going to lose a billion customers uh, because the kids out there – I mean, I, I just did a video on the Air Max 95, which is probably one of the most popular shoes ever in, in the Asia market. I have a buddy who lives out in China. And although we see pictures, uh, you know, courtesy of, of our friend uh, Shanghai Seoul, of a lot of things uh, sitting on shelves, there are still a lot of people buying them. I have a buddy I went to college with who lives out there. He said it's impossible to buy certain things because they will pay older people to stand in line and get the shoes. So it's very popular out there. There is a market for all these things. I mean, StockX and Goat have opened uh, facilities out in China. So sneakers are popular. So I think it, the fear of hurting the bottom line is really keeps people from not saying anything. And again, I'm not in their shoes. I would I would hope that I could say, you know what, if I was in a position like that, I would go do the right thing. But I know people are really – I want to say they think of the livelihood of their employees, but at the same time, they need to think of the livelihood of the employees who are, who are there, who are being mistreated and, and undermined, basically. I think, too, the, uh, you know, it's important to say, like, Nike has, has, you know, made statements about this saying, hey, we take this seriously. You know, any of the reports about forced labor, um, they've said they don't buy from, you know, the, the I think it's Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region think i might have that next oh okay but it's a i still think it's it's one of those things where obviously they're not gonna they're not gonna admit that they would anyway and you know hopefully they're being truthful with those sure. statements that they're not buying from those regions but it's also kind of hard to not uh at least acknowledge that you know the i think like 60 i have it somewhere uh you know in 2021 supposedly 62 percent of athletic footwear comes from china so you know to your point yeah. we're talking about a massive a massive massive amount of product that is manufactured in china and you know there are other places you know we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of, of that with you know um 
Vietnam and the factories that shut down and, and causing the supply chain issues on that side of things. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm buying less shoes and I'm buying more shoes that I care more about and higher quality shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do that in everything that I'm doing yeah. in life at this point, right? And as much as it might seem like it's quality, it's quantity over quality because I have a massive wall of sneakers behind me. Um, that's not the case. I'm really <laughs> like kind of what trying you see to back here. Just trim down the collection and actually be more selective about what I what I keep and what I buy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I if I have a personal connection to a shoe, I'm always I'm always interested in, in buying that. If I have a friend that is in any way working on a shoe, I'm always trying to buy that. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that this this type of thing combined with the, you know, the, the supply chain issues, you know, we have labor shortages in, in long beach and Oakland where we're, we're not getting ships coming in as regularly. They're stuck out at sea, you know, kind of waiting for space to unload. And, you know, there's so many things right now that are happening you know, in terms of the supply chain, but most of the issues are from overseas type of situations, right? Yes, there's a shortage of labor in a lot of different places in the United States, but really people want to be paid what they deserve to be paid and they want to live a good life. And I think we're, you know, we're, we're reaping what we've sowed for many decades in terms of paying people a livable wage, right? And so I think that this conversation leads into the, you know, the the question for me, if you take the the conversation around forced labor and and as Cantor bringing it up and calling out Nike, and then you take into account, you know, the sourcing issues that a lot of these brands are having and how they're all navigating, like, aren't these things signs that, aren't these things signs that we should be maybe, maybe not as global of a, of a, you know, society in terms of, you know, like businesses <laughs> and, you know, to your point, right? Like you're, you've got so many people that are willing to pay two, $300 for a pair of shoes. That's not really good quality. And not to say that we haven't all spent plenty of money on shoes that are subpar quality. I mean, Oh yeah. Hey, I bought the Nike yeah. Air Ups when they came or the Way Ups when they came out. And they were like this crazy Vactech thing and like they hurt my feet so bad I had to get rid of them, but I just wanted the shoe because it's <laughs> like a shoe that I've always wanted, you know? And I think we all have those shoes mm-hmm. where we just like we were really into it, but like at the end of the day the materials and the quality was just not there. And you know, like yeah. that's also what we we admire brands like Nike for making money, you know? Like we look at them and we're like, yeah, not only do they kick ass, they support, you know, in theory, they support people that we support and, you know, all these different kind of mm-hmm. marginalized people in our society with their marketing, you know, money. But yet we're still kind of a we're kind of stuck in this position of, you know, you're, you don't really have the option to buy like a I don't know, you know, aside from, you know, the runners that you're talking about earlier you can't just buy like a, a $400 one-time pair of Jordan ones because you just want to buy a really nicely made shoe. You know, yeah, you could do that from maybe new balance yeah. and buy an made in USA, but like even that, some of that stuff, the, the materials are sourced from, from overseas. And I'm not saying that you should buy everything American because mm-hmm. I think there are incredible things that are made in China, in, you know, Taiwan, in Korea. Like there's just so many people that are making cool yeah. shit in the world it's great that we have access to these things, but then we also get to the point where we're like, well, we just want the cheapest, most profitable version of that product as opposed to what should be made and how all of us would feel good about it at some point. And I think that's kind of an interesting place because if it's ever going to change, we're seeing a couple of really heavy influences on what could potentially change, you know, this massive amount of production that happens overseas because the other side of it is like, you know, we also don't necessarily want these manufacturing facilities polluting anywhere. Right. Like that's part of every brand's, 
you know, kind of goals right now is to is to like clean up that production stuff and, and not have as much waste and do better for the environment. But I don't know, man, like I feel like. I feel like we're at a point where. Nike is the leader of all this stuff, right? As much as like everybody loves all their different brands mm-hmm. and different shoes and different people that work at their, their friends that work at different brands, like the footwear industry is driven by Nike and that's why we all appreciate them. And that's why we all love them. And that's why we all look to them for the change that we want to see happen. And if yeah. these two conversations aren't heavy enough to make you think about changing manufacturing and and potentially bringing some of it back to even just bringing it back to, you know, North America or South America or someplace where it's not quite as expensive, you know, not quite as, uh, as far away and like where, or diversifying your manufacturing, even if you, if you want to be really kind of open to anything, right? Like, even if you, mm-hmm. you, all you got to do is go back to like the, the 80s to see that Nike 80s and 90s to see that Nike was still manufacturing shoes in America. You know, there's all sorts of shoes that Nike made in America at that time. And yeah, we wouldn't necessarily want to pay a $200, you know, $200 for a shoe throughout the nineties. But I think there are a lot of people that would pay $200 for a shoe that was made by people that are getting put back to work in America right now, because there's so much opportunity for brands to kind of take that stance, you're seeing it in the outdoor world where you have like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, companies like Columbia Sportswear manufacturing things in the U.S., Keen Footwear making stuff in the U.S. more frequently. All these people are looking at like, hey, can we make this in a better way, closer to home, so we can be, a, you know, just be more closer to the product. And and I think that is is a, yeah. an honest question that I would love to. I would love to see, you know, more people kind of ask Nike about this at that, at this point, because, you know, I just don't, I don't see too many more influential things than the two questions we're talking about tonight. Yeah. I I think it's going to get back to it. I think there's some point it's not going to be fully here in the States. It's it's just, it's just not. I think some point they're going to divide some of that manufacturing up. We're going to have some things here, some things there. It's going to, it's going to be very similar to uh, probably the motor industry uh, where there a lot of, you know, maybe, some of the the materials are made overseas and then they ship them here. We put them together, so on and so forth. I think there's going to be a mix and match of how these things are done because we just see now that when something like this happens, this, this pandemic that really just put a, put a stop to a lot of just things moving and, and getting to where it needs to be. Um, we just have to rethink it, retool it. Again, we want to make sure that we can get the products at a decent price. I mean, Again, I think people will pay pretty much anything for anything. So that's just me. But they're going to they want to keep them at a decent price. Um, so my thing is every time we see these price hikes, and I use a Jordan 1 as an example because they're always every year, every two years, they're always talking about a price hike in Jordan 1s. 2022, they're supposed to be reaching the $200 mark. All right, if they're $200, what am I getting? Are you, is it going to be like, – is it going to benefit someone here or is it just, hey, we just want to add as much profit as possible? Like what's the purpose of it? So people are still going to buy them. But I mean, you do have people out there who are really bent on buying things made in the States. I'm Nick. I'm like you. I think cool stuff's made everywhere. I am down to buy. If it's quality, if it's cool, I'm down to buy it. I don't really have a preference of where it's made, but I do. I, I live in, I live here in the, in the state. So I would love to see more people get the opportunity to, to have jobs in, the, in these organizations. If they were to move some, you know, some of them, some of the infra, uh, infrastructure here. Cause again, I think it is possible. Um, and in kind of diverting from the job path, my question is, is, I mean, by the time everyone hears this, it's probably going to be no, but end of October, beginning of November when they hear this one, um, we got what, uh, 60 days till Christmas. And what is going to happen with all of these items that people are trying to buy? Um, because, you know, this is, now and in February are Nike's big push of sneakers, along with a lot of other people. I guess I'm using Nike for the sake of our, our argument because that's who we've been talking about. They're the, kind of the leaders in the space, or they are the leaders in the space. And this is a big push for them. Things like the um, Jordan 11 Cool Gray. I've heard those have already made their way here, so maybe that won't be an issue. But with that, if everything else is pushed back, like this Jordan 1, um, this, that family, that patent leather band – 
that one got pushed all the way back to December 31st. Or we're going to see ourselves in a situation where these we're going back to like original cool gray days. What was that 2001 where people are fighting and riding for a shoe because now we're back to this being the only holiday shoe. And what is that going to look like now? Because again, not to anyone's fault. It's just, Hey, we've, we've relived through a pandemic. Things got stuck. They don't have enough workers to get these ships cleared. So what are we looking at in the sense of how people are going to handle it? Because Although, you know, Christmas is not supposed to be about the presents. It, it happens that way where people – we see every year Black Friday people trampling each other to get the newest computer or, you know, whatever it may be. What are we looking at at this point? Because I hope it doesn't revert back to, you know, more sneaker violence. I mean we still have it every so often. But not like the old days where it seemed like every release there was a fight going on. People just – I hope they just know to be patient because these items are going to come out. You guys see every time or every day, basically, you open a sneakers app, something's getting pushed back. It's going to come out eventually. You just have to be patient and maybe don't get it the day you want it. But don't go after your, your fellow fellow person because you just you got to have it on this day or just the only one I think I get. We, we have to be patient because this is going to be a very different, uh, I think, holiday season because last year we had a bunch of stuff that was already here because this stuff gets here months ahead of time. So this thing's already here that people could purchase and order or whatever. But this year, we've seen a shortage. I mean, Nick, uh, I don't know if we're recording or not when we started talking about it, but you went to the outlet. Do you, I mean, besides, like, things that people just weren't buying, like in like the Joel Embiid shoe. Nothing's wrong with it, but that wasn't just a hot item, but they had a lot of them. Or just some different things that aren't super popular, not like the old Nike outlets used to be, what, you can say about two years ago, where you can find just awesome stuff sitting there for steel. Now it's literally just the same things like the, the same monarchs or the same like academy runners that you typically see and some returns sprinkled here and there. It's not there. And, and I think people are just getting – I guess I don't know if antsy is the word because we don't need these things. We have – all of us who are talking about this, everybody's listening to this. We already have way too many sneakers already. So we can we can live without a holiday season or something. But it's just the – it, it, it's embedded into like, oh, it's that, it's that time. I can't believe that Christmas shoe. So I just hope that people realize it's going to get here. Just It's not going to be here when you want it. Yeah, great. Those are great points. And I, I think, you know, I, I pulled up a footwear news uh, story and I'll link to it in the description. But it's uh, it was put together by uh, Shoshi Cement, who has, you know, been a reporter in the footwear industry for a long time. And just some of the, the talking points out of it, you know, uh, it talks about the Nike suppliers in Vietnam that stopped manufacturing in July for a couple of months and, you know, says that Vietnam previously accounted for 51% of Nike's footwear and 30% of apparels. 30%. Vietnam previously accounted for 51% of Nike's footwear and 30% of apparel units last year. In September, shares of Nike fell mm -hmm. after it missed revenue estimates as a result of su supply chain hurdles. VF Corp, who's owner of Supreme, also faced supply chain disruptions in this quarter with the Supreme brand seeing almost 30% less inventory around drops. So, you know, it's, it's, is everybody's going through it right now. Um, they also made a point to say that global shortage of rubber and plastic are also kind of being hit hard, which, you know, that's, that's basically 90% of shoes, right? So yeah, I think it's just going to be it. super, super <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think super, super crazy, but I think, you know, the prices are just going to go up, right? Like we're, we're going to see more, that cost mm -hmm. is going to be passed along. If, if you haven't listened to the conversation I had with Brett Goloff, he talked about, you know, he designed the, uh, the LG one for the ethics brand. And he talked about the supply chain and how much things cost right now compared to what they used to. And one of the examples he used is that uh, you know, a couple of years ago or a year ago before the pandemic, you would, you know, I guess we're working on two years, but like, you know, prior to the pandemic, you would pay, you know, maybe $1,500 to have 3000 shoes shipped over in a crate or in a, you know, in a container. And that might, you know, take six to 10 weeks, something like that. He said that right now it's closer to $23,000 for that container and it could take six to nine months. So, you know, you're talking wow. about massive amounts of money. Um, you know, if you've ever looked at, 
shipping something air versus ground, that's essentially a cost that, that the brands are facing. Like, can we can get this to you for by Christmas, but they're going to basically, you know, pass that extra cost to have you it pay for it. <laughs> ship. Yep. Yep. The customer is going to pay for it. Right. Um, yeah. And exactly. I, I don't know, man, yeah. I think it's a, it's a pretty, again, to Mike's point, like be patient. Don't take this out on other people. Everybody's going through this stuff and, you know, recognize that you got plenty of shoes to wear on the shelf. If you're listening to this podcast, you know, like, I mean, yeah. I'm one of those people that was pretty excited to try to get the, the cool gray 11s this year. I haven't ever had a pair, but you know, who knows if I'll be in a position to even do that. And who knows if they'll actually be enough for anybody to have a chance. Um, but I also think, you know, the other kind of point to this conversation about raising prices, we're already seeing plenty of people, especially in sneakers, go away from buying directly from the brands or buying from retailers at all. Right. If, you know, me personally, I've bought stuff from like, we are underdogs, the guys that manufacture in Portugal for Nightwing and, you know, Seth Fowler. And, you know, like I look at like, yeah. you know, what those guys have done with their shoes, uh, Mosh and his customs, the shoe surgeon. I mean, there's so many people making very variations of the Jordan one now too. And they're selling for significantly more than what a retail price of a Jordan one is and selling a decent amount, right? It's not yeah. thousands of pairs the way it is for mm -hmm. Nike, because you're not going to be able to hand make thousands of pairs in any kind of, you know, any kind of short timeline for customers, but people are willing to pay up front and wait for something if it's good enough. Right. And, you know, I think that yeah. that's what I kind of keep coming back to. I really hope that I really hope that that becomes a, a talking point, right? Like we're, we're kind of looking for it. I don't know if it's just me. I, I, it feels like it's way more than me. If all these guys can, can be out here, if all these people can be out here, you know, making their own shoes and creating their own brands and, and selling that, you know, more power to them. And I think that yeah. big brands, you know, continually look to those creators and those people that are pushing the envelope on a smaller scale to help them figure out how to, how to get in front of that audience that's willing to pay two or $300 for, a pair of shoes. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, 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 there was a bunch of other news stuff, but I'm, I'm thinking we could probably wrap at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. No, 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 I think so. I think that's a good place to stop because, and just kind of piggybacking off your point of like looking at the independent brands, you know, I respect all those guys. I mean, Seth, Nightwing, um, those guys, uh, Mosh, I still need a pair of freaking Mosh's runners. Those things are so clean. Um, I, I, was, I, I love it. Now, for me, they're kind of pricey for, 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 my, for my pocketbook, but uh, I do like them if I'm ever able to, uh, you know, put in a pre-order for, uh, like, like I say, Mosh's shoe. His has always caught my eye, uh, and I, I would definitely do so. I think I've heard the quality is just, just A1 on them, and, you know, hey, you pay for what you get, which is, which is awesome. But we'll say, look at some of the other brands that you don't think about as much because they're not. I guess you know what I feel like. A lot of them are just not using the marketing dollar dollars and saving them to, to produce. So I've been buying a lot of Gel Light threes lately through ASIC or just some of the gel products, some of the, the retro runners. They are not. If you notice, maybe a handful of collaborations they put out this year, maybe. They've been saving their own dollars, looks like. And I don't know. I'm not in their boardroom you know, hearing these conversations. But if you go to ASIC's website, there's always something just really nice there. They're not they're not charging premiums. Like, I know people complain about the Gel Light 3 shape. It's not like the OG. I'm like, all right, cool. I got it. I mean, I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't around to have them back then. Um, but I will say they have been pumping out shoes that have been very quality for, what, like, for $110, $120, $130. Bucks. They have a lot of sizes available, but they're not out there pushing them on different websites, not you know hyping them up. They're just there. They're just doing old school way of dropping them on there. And I know that might just be a way of them saving dollars so they can be able to produce more and produce them faster. So I say keep an eye out for things like that because between like ASICs, I know New Balance is really hyped at this moment in time, but they're doing the same thing. New Balance is still putting out great products. Um all the running shoes we've been talking about, they're not spending the money on all the things we see with like Adidas and Nikes. And 
no shots to them either. They just they work a different they play a different game than these other smaller brands. But take a step back. You got independent brands like Nick was speaking about. You have smaller brands out there who are putting out quality products that it doesn't this there's, there's, there's stuff out there. And this I think this is a perfect time to expand your horizons because hey, you know what? I'm not getting cool grace because they're still sitting in Long Beach somewhere on a boat. But you know what? I can get this for X amount of dollars cheaper and maybe better quality and maybe something I end up liking in the long run. Whatever. But I think this is a perfect time to really just expand the palette, expand horizon, take the blinders off because there's a lot of nice things out there. And you never know what you what you don't like until you actually try it. So everyone has good return policies. If you don't like it, just send it back. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah, I think I think that's great advice. There's plenty of stuff out there. Just keep your eyes open and and don't be afraid to try something new. But um yeah, man, that's that's a good that's a good place to wrap. So if everybody uh could do us a huge favor though before you hit that uh disconnect button, leave us a review on iTunes. We haven't had a chance to read one in quite some time. And you know, it not only helps us grow the podcast, but who knows, maybe you could entertain us for a little bit, considering, you know, we're trying to entertain you all the time. So we'd appreciate it. But anyway, Mike, let them know how they can find you. Yeah. And also, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, hit the notification, all of, you know, all the buttons we ever want to ask you to uh, press. But uh, you can always find me here, Sneaker History. You can always find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. And of course, you can find me on YouTube as well at Mike Gillery. Yes, sir. You can find me at Nick Ingvall on all the platforms, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L. More importantly, just follow Sneaker History everywhere. And if you haven't, definitely hop in the Discord. There's plenty of awesome people in there that you should probably know if you're listening to this podcast because, um, yeah, that's just how it is. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. See ya. Hey, everyone. This is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. We just launched our new merch, including tees, stickers, keychains, and a bunch of other pieces you can grab to show your support for the podcast. You can purchase it now through our companion site, sittingtreasure.com. You can also get access to more episodes of the podcast by joining our Discord community at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Plus, we've got a bunch of other fun things going on in the community, including trivia nights, giveaways, access to sneaker raffles from around the world, release announcements, and my favorite, just good people helping good people get the sneakers they want. Plus, we're not bought by advertisers, investors, or other big money. I'm confident in saying this is the best sneaker community I've ever been a part of. We've also teamed up with a few partners to offer our supporters discounts. You can find some in the links for this episode and even more in our Discord. Give us a try, and if you don't enjoy it, you can always cancel the membership at any time. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of someone showing appreciation. Thank you all for the support, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.